Tavern in Philadelphia with a very special guest. Now, I thought what my wife Patty and I did last year was really cool, traveling to all 30 stadiums in a single season. But our guest today has been to the home stadium for all 123 teams in the four major U.S. professional sports leagues. His name is Rich O'Malley, former editor of the New York Daily News. Rich, welcome, and wow. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> well, what you did was very cool too, Ron. I mean, don't diminish it at all. Uh, and thank you for having me. It's great to be here with you at McNally's, home of the Schmitter, which I fell in love with at Citizens Bank Ballpark right here in Philly many years ago. And uh, we just enjoyed ourselves. And before we started recording, we had lunch and I had a Schmitter and it was good. It was very good. So thank you to May and Ann for bringing that out to us. <laughs> uh, so take it away. All right. So, first of all, 123 stadiums, um, how long did that take you? Well, it depends how you look at it, but I mean, basically it took the better part of 25 years. Um, I started with baseball just like you did. Uh, back in college, my friends and I would take road trips, and uh, we started with one out to the Midwest that we lovingly now call Trip One, because <laughs> it was the beginning of all things, and then the next nice. summer when uh, a bunch of us also graduated. Um, graduated took- from where? From CW Post, Long Island University. Okay. And uh, we took trip two, and that was a cross-country trip that was a full-blown extravaganza at that point um, to celebrate our, our getting into the real world right before we had to actually go get jobs and be in the real world. Um, and from there, you know, I started branching out to other sports. You, when you're out and get, getting baseball stadiums, you know, maybe a basketball team is home or a hockey game's going on, you start picking those up. I started taking trips to see my Jets every year. I don't know why I did that, but uh, <laughs> but I did that. And, um, you know, over about 20, 23 years, uh, I had gotten to about 80. And then I left my job at the Daily News, as you just said, uh, in 2016, the very end of 2016, and was deciding what to do next. And I, I, I landed on this dream of writing a book about all my travels throughout the years. And I decided my hook would be to go get those last 40 and be able to say that I had been everywhere uh, Major League Baseball, NHL, NFL, M- uh, and NBA, all 123. And so I took a two-month gangbusters trip, uh, 42 games over 53 days. Wow, that's and incredible. And I nailed it all down. And you flew to those. Uh, I did. Cities. That is not possible to do. <laughs> I started out like you uh, in our cars. Uh, you know, we took our own personal cars on these trips. Uh, so I spent a lot of time in a, in a Chevy Cavalier and uh, on the first trip and then a uh, Dodge Caravan on the second trip, which we had to sleep in a couple of times. But for a trip like this, I had to, I had to schedule it around flights, which was another level of insanity. Yeah, th- I mean, the uh, we, we've been asked quite a bit about the logistics. So, like... Planning our route, mm-hmm. we knew we were living in Charlotte at the time. We knew we were going to go to Miami for opening day because we were going right. to do spring training in Florida, and so that planning the route itself was easy. Mm-hmm. Like two hours, probably. I I had it done. All right, yep. start in Miami, work our way up the East Coast, head west, go down the West Coast, come back, end in St. Louis. Right. And we used to live in St. Louis, so perfect. That made that made a lot of sense. Yep. But it's the that's the easy part. The, uh, the hard part is all the logistics then around that and, and trying to figure out which games in a baseball series you're actually going to go to. Right. I mean, with, with, with a trip the length 
of an entire summer. Like I said, it is, it's very easy. If you can take your time, and you should, if you're if you're a stadium chaser, you should go to more than one game at each of these places. You shouldn't chase them down like I did in, in two months because you don't get to appreciate them as much as you would otherwise. Nor um, the cities. Nor the cities. I mean, that's part of the experience is getting out and seeing these different places. Uh, like in Philadelphia, going to McNally Tavern. Absolutely. That's, <laughs> that's the kind of flavor you want to be able to, right. to savor and take in and not be rushing from the airport to the stadium to the hotel back to the airport. Um, but yeah, when you are on such a tight schedule as I was for this for this last trip, um, it was a blitzkrieg. I mean, it was just, it was one stop after another. I didn't have time to think. I didn't have time to write till I got back. Um, and it's not, I say in the book very clearly, like, do not take a trip like this. It's, it's very <laughs> silly and I should not have done it. But, you know, it's it's part of the fun of the book, I hope, um, is, is watching this idiot run around like a nut job uh, collecting stadiums like baseball cards. But yeah, if you can... Take your time, take a weekend, take a week, you know, plan these things around family vacations, whatever it is that you, you know, want to go see, uh, pick those out specifically and then go take your time and enjoy them and savor them. Or be a weirdo like me and quit your job and buy an RV, Sure, right? do that too. Yeah, You kind of touch on a little bit, but yeah. at, at what point were you like, I've got a book here? Um, well, I say it was about... <sighs> 2006, and I talk about this in the book, the sort of seed being planted. I was talking to, you know, we we both worked for Sporting News at at a certain point in our career, and my editor there, I was sitting down for beers with him in a setting just like this uh, in St. Louis, and, uh, you know, we were talking about, you know, I had just started working for them talking about sports and technology, but I was always pitching them travel story ideas, and he's like, what's with you in the travel? Like, you really like to do this, so I told him all about trip one and trip two and my crazy antics around the country, and he said, do you ever think of writing a book? And I said, aha, it's not just in my head now. It's in somebody else's head. And that means it's actually a legitimate idea. And someday I'm going to write this book. Uh, and But then I, you know, my, my journalism career took off, which was fantastic. I loved every minute of it. Uh, but when that came to a close, uh, I started thinking about what I wanted to do personally next. And I said, the book, it's, it's, I got to do this book. This has been in my head for 13 years now. Let's, let's, let's go for it. We can both relate to this. It helps having a supporting wife in, uh, uh, behind you, right? Oh, my God. She has been my everything on this, and uh, it's only through her pushing me, uh, encouraging me uh, to do these crazy things, and joining me uh, for a lot of I it. I was just about to ask you about yeah, that. Yeah, not all of it. Um, your wife goes with you everywhere, right? right? So, you know, my wife loves going to baseball games. Not so much on the hockey or the football, but she also loves basketball, so... You know, she she's she's in for this uh, as much as I am, um, and she's joined me on many a trip, and she has not joined me on many a trip because she thinks they're really stupid trips, and she says, <laughs> "Why would you ever do something like that? Don't do that." There, um, but yeah, she's she's been great. There were a couple minor league games last year that we went to where my wife did not join me. Like, uh, um, she stayed. We had the RV parked outside the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes Stadium, and my wife stayed in the. RV and to spend time with the dog and I, I went in and, and, and saw the game actually interviewed a Dodgers prospect for our podcast mm-hmm. Jaron Kendall and then uh, I did something kind of crazy last June in the Frontier League which is independent but yeah. minor league baseball and I did this solo I covered for my website Ron Clement Sports I covered uh, a day night home and home doubleheader. Nice. Between the Joliet Slammers and the Windy City Thunderbolts. So you're keeping up with your sports writing while you're doing this other project. Yeah. Which is great. That's fantastic. Yeah. And and you've got the dog with you this whole time? Well, we... <laughs> this is great. We did. 
Um, oh, okay. Yeah, we lost him about a month oh, ago. But um, you know what, though? Last year, he never shirked his duties as our bar- uh, as our great. marketing manager. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I realize we haven't given the name of your book yet. It's called One Lucky Fan. That it is. Meaning solo. Uh, but you did say your wife had went to some games with you. Yep. Uh, you had some friends go to other games with you, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've had many, many people uh, attend games with me throughout the years. Um, a whole list of my friends and, uh, you know, just people I've met along the way. Um, it's, it's, it's a communal event when you go to a live sports thing. Um, it's... You don't get that kind of camaraderie, even if you don't know anybody around you. Like you're looking around at people, looking at you, and enjoying that moment of whatever happened on the field together. And you don't get that when you're home on your couch alone. Um, and it's even heightened even more when it's your team on the field and it's a game that really matters. So that's that's the cool thing about being at a live sports event. Of these 123 stadiums, how many of them would you say you visited by yourself? Um, well, the entire final trip. So those last 40 for sure. And then I'd say maybe maybe a, a third or a quarter of the ones before that. So, I mean, mostly the first half were all with somebody else. Okay. And then scattered here and there are some solo projects, you know, uh, uh, just something that I would go off and do by myself. Um, for the most part, I would say more than half have been. Uh, I'm assuming, like me as a journalist, you've got a network of people kind of all across the country. So were you able to connect with a lot of those people on your travels? Yes, definitely. And I, I think that's important um, for people to, to realize when they want to take these kinds of trips is to you know tap into your network of friends. These yeah. You have the opportunity to go see people that you like and don't get to see in your everyday life. I have life. a chapter in my book called Friends and Family. Yeah, I do too. I mean, it's not oh, exactly nice. called that. But it is it is saying like if you have the support of your you know tell them that you're crazy and you want to do these <laughs> crazy things and then you go visit them and they say okay crazy Uncle Rich and Aunt Christie are coming to, to see us but they want to <laughs> go see a game of course so you know as long as you're up front with them and they know it's you know part of the fun like oh Rich and Christie are coming but Rich needs to go to three games while he's here of course. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it's it's three quirky, games in three but different it's, sports, right? Of course, yeah. uh, over the course of three days. But yeah, that that's part of the fun too, and and part of feeling supported is is having this network of people around the country that you can go see. So what are your and, fa- and stay with? You're right. Well, we had the RV, so we didn't have right. that issue. But um, what what are your favorite teams in each league? Okay, so and I I spend a chapter on each of these. Um, in you the mentioned book. the Jets already. Yep. So the Jets are my football team. <clears throat> And they have taught me how to root for a, a hopeless cause. Um, I'm a Yankees fan who have taught me how to, or at least try to handle winning with, you know, some form of class, um, even though I know a lot of Yankees fans do not do that. In basketball, I am more of a college hoops fan than I am a pro hoops fan. Okay. Um, my team, if I had to pick one, would be the Knicks in the pro hoops, but they're just an embarrassment to sports kind right now. Kind of the same category as the Jets. Or they're, exactly. They're right. yeah. So I didn't spend another chapter talking about them. I instead went to St. John's Basketball, which is my college basketball team. Okay. I grew up rooting for them since they were actually good back in 1985 and made a Final Four, and it's been completely downhill since. Yep. Since I became a fan, it has been nothing but misery. But that's taught me how to root and not care if my team's going to win a championship. <laughs> so it's not about a title in that case. It's just about enjoying every single moment of every single game um, and appreciating that these are kids trying to have fun out there. Um, and then in hockey, I'm a Devils fan. 
which is very much not the norm for a New York City kid. Um, you either get pulled into the Islanders or Rangers camp when you grow up in New York City. But when I started following hockey, uh, I went with my one friend who was a Devils fan, and it was a matter of excellent timing because within three years we had a Stanley Cup in our hands. So that was, was I was door, right? yeah I was really appreciative of jumping in when they were considered a, a Mickey Mouse embarrassing franchise, and then. You know, we built our way up, and we had a, a crushing loss to the Rangers, which I talk about in the book, 1994. And then, but 1995, we were hoisting the cup, and uh, we had a great run there for 10 years. So so those are my teams, and, and I analyze. So, so the Devils are my embodiment of the little engine that could. Um, so every team that I root for has shaped me in some way and, it, you know, made me the person I am. And, it's, and I like this amalgam of different ways of rooting for teams you don't root for teams the same way um if the jets blow a game it's like oh jets you did it again (laughs) if the yankees blow a game it's like what the hell are you doing you guys are supposed to be good so you have a completely different outlook on life see when i was growing up with the packers i i was i had the all right well i guess we got to watch the packers they'll probably lose but but then like when Favre came around expectations totally changed and now it's like like last year when the packers win what was it six games I'm like, oh my God, it's my childhood all over. What are you doing? Yep. Yep. And, and, and people don't, I mean, I think a lot of the country, everyone hates the Yankees, and that's fine. You have every right to hate the Yankees if you're not a Yankees fan. But you forget that for my entire childhood, they were terrible. They couldn't win anything for 15 years, which was the 15 years of me becoming a baseball fan. My team was an embarrassment. And yeah, meanwhile, like 81 to like 96, they were not good. Guess when I became a fan? 1981. <laughs> my first sports memory, which is the opening of the book, is them losing the 1981 World Series. And I was like, oh, well, they're in a World Series. They'll be back. Nope. It took 15 years to get back. So, like, I appreciate teams that have to go through hell um, to get to the promised land. And I understand that there are some franchises where it seems like they'll never get there. And, and you know, the Cubs were in that boat until a few years ago and the well, and they the kept De- the indians in that boat too which was well, i think the detroit lions are still there they are still there i have a chapter dedicated to these lovable losers and not so lovable losers um <laughs> but yeah that's that's what we're all in for you know you you don't when you sign the fan contract as a kid you have no guarantee of success you could be in for a lifetime of misery and that's just that's just the deal um and so, you have to be okay with that so as a yankees fan i want your uh how obnoxious have Red Sox fans been since 2004? Oh, it's been intolerable. I can't imagine what it was like for them growing up <laughs> when the Yankees were good before I was born for, you know, 80 years. Um, it just must have been awful. Um, but And when you compound that with the Patriots. Yeah, I know. The Red Sox, or the, the Boston uh, sports teams just like keep winning stuff. I was so happy when the Bucks knocked the Celtics out of the playoffs this year. Yeah. And... Then I, I think everybody outside of Massachusetts and New Hampshire and Maine was ecstatic when the Blues beat the Bruins to win the Stanley oh, Cup. Oh, definitely. I mean, I, I couldn't imagine anybody in America other than the city of Boston rooting against the Blues in that one. Right. Um, so, favorite stadium in each respective league and why? Okay. Um, we'll start with baseball because those are the, you know... And then I'll tell you our, yeah, our we'll favorite go, baseball stadium. We'll go back and forth. Um, you know, baseball stadiums are the most unique and, and they vary wildly in their in their quirks. Um, my top baseball stadium is PNC Park in Pittsburgh. Same! There you go! <laughs> now, why is it for you? Everything about that stadium is just fan-friendly. It's, it's easy to get to. It's a relatively affordable when compared mm-hmm. to other stadiums. Uh, the atmosphere is great. I mean, Pir- Pittsburgh fans are. You talk about how passionate Boston fans are, and 
Um, but P- Pittsburgh fans are just as passionate about their teams. I mean, I've met some ob- obnoxious Steelers fans. Oh, sure. Uh, I've worked with some obnoxious Steelers <laughs> fans. So have uh, I, actually. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, and then the view with downtown Pittsburgh and the Clemente Bridge and the Allegheny That's River. That's what it's, does it for me every it's time. It's incredible. I would, it's one of the top three or four views yes. in baseball. I put Coors Field and Bush Stadium right up there, too, in, in, in terms of just, like, the views from the seats. Yep. I, I, I agree with you on that. Um, I love seeing the arch out in the outfield of St. Louis. Um, I would add Dodger Stadium to that view list. I love looking out and seeing those very, very tall lights, you know, with the, right. with the circle ads on top. Yeah, if you're, gonna go to Dodger, if you're going to go to Dodger Stadium, go to a night game. Yeah, for sure. Oh, it's beautiful, um, and and yeah, it's 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 the view in Pittsburgh that does it for me. I feel like I can reach out and touch the city, and you don't get that everywhere, you know. Especially and another thing about Pittsburgh, there are three three decks. It's not a massive five deck stadium. Yeah, where I, I was so going to say it's, it's actually two decks, but it is three. It just seems like, and I say this in the book, it's almost like a minor league park, and I don't mean that as a knock. I mean that as it's intimate. You sure, feel like you're totally, somewhere. It's not a bad seat there. Not a bad seat. And if you go to PNC Park for the first time, sit up in the 300 level. Yeah, absolutely. Because then you can really appreciate that view, yep, right? Sit right behind third base, and you can look right out across to the city, and it's just beautiful. Yeah. All right, baseball's covered. How Done. about uh, NHL? NHL. Now, see, here's the thing that people don't realize. See, I hit about. you with a tough one because a lot of NHL, you're limited because they're all enclosed. Yes, and and they're all the same, and they share venues with the NBA quite often. So you're very cookie cutter in the NBA and the NHL. It's hard to pick out favorites, but uh, the new Detroit. If you haven't, have you been there yet? No, just Comerica Park. It's really fantastic. It's very unique the way they built it. It's got sort of sky bridge viewing that's almost up above the ice, and you look straight down. And it's it's a it's a vantage point you can't get in most arenas in this in in the country. Madison Square Garden also has it, and it's fantastic uh, uh, for that. That's a bucket list item for me is Madison Square Garden. Yeah, it's 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 not what you expect when I you don't walk care in. if it's the NIT championship I just want to go see something yeah you got to get in there and, and see it. it it's it's very unique that, that that roof over top is is distinctive um, but it's 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 very much like a labyrinth behind the scenes and you're gonna be surprised I think when when you get there and realize you've got to walk around the place and up and down staircases to get into your particular section so that's not great but um it's my home arena i mean i grew Mm -hmm. up there i know it very intimately and i and i do love it um but yeah detroit would be my number one nhl uh and and sit right behind the net it's very steep and you feel like you're just looking straight down at the goal mouth it's it's a great view and what about nba nba i absolutely adore the new uh venue in sacramento of all places really we would never think why on earth would i go to sacramento but the the king's venue there golden one arena is stupendous you've got 360 viewing on the main level which you do not get in indoor arenas anywhere they built it exactly right it's gleaming white clean local brews local food so affordable for the for the fan and right in the middle of downtown accessible to everything in the city perfect perfect venue nice and when you fly into the sacramento airport probably the coolest baggage claim you'll see i don't i with the luggage i don't towers? recall i i, I don't the I luggage never, columns you i don't never i never no? check a bag so i didn't oh, okay. see it <laughs> uh and then what about nfl and i hope you answer this question correctly the answer is lambeau field yay i'm a wisconsin guy so yeah that's the and and that is as I say in the book, the preeminent sports experience in America in any sport. You can't get that anywhere else. That town, that stadium, that feel, that fan base, 
you can't beat it. And now we're going to go to the other end. Ah, yes. Yeah. The fun, let's do it. This, this is what people probably really want to hear. Yeah. All right. What let's, are the let's worst? Let's tear some places apart. What are the worst stadiums in sports? Okay. The single worst sports venue in America, as I as I claim it in one lucky fan, is right up the road from us, up the Jersey Turnpike, sitting in the Meadowlands. It is MetLife Stadium, home of my I've New heard York it's Jets. Just bland. It is so bland. It is gray from top to bottom, from right to left. It is just a ceaseless oval gray nothing. There is no charm, no soul, no home field uh, advantage for either team. Um, it cost $1.6 billion to build, which is a complete boondoggle. And if you look at the exact same price tag on the new stadium in Atlanta, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, just beautiful, perfectly done, unique, um, Everything there is for the fan. They cheap have like concessions. cheap concessions, dollar sodas. You can refill them yourself out in the hallway. It's just like everything was. The fan was considered at every turn in those plans. I thought the Braves did SunTrust Park right too. I hate SunTrust Park. Really? My number thirty Major League Baseball stadium. No kidding. No kidding. I love SunTrust Park. Wow. See, we we have disagreement. Finally. I know, right? Yeah. No, I love Sun. I I I thought when you when you walk up through the battery. Into sun and I didn't even like I didn't even know that was your number thirty stadium so I yeah. just like inadvertently set yeah. up here with this baseball. Is great. Now, now I, I will I'll, I'll give you a caveat here. So okay. when, when we were walking up to SunTrust Park through the battery, those shops and restaurants yep. on on either side, the bars, which is great. I love that. I was like, this feels like walking through Main Street USA at Disney World. It absolutely does. But if you're going but, to be in the middle of nowhere, but, you need that. My wife said that is one thing she did not like about SunTrust Park, was that okay. it felt like this corporate monster. Once I was in the stadium, I felt like I could be in anywhere America, like any town. And as you said, Main Street USA is the perfect thing to say because I didn't know where I was. I didn't know I was in Atlanta. It didn't matter that I was in Atlanta. Yeah, there was a Braves logo here and there, but like there was nothing telling me, this is Atlanta, this is SunTrust Park, here's the, you know, like, the Mets have the the apple in the hat. Like here's the thing that says Atlanta. There isn't any. Um, there's that cute little baseball town around the ballpark, which is fine. Um, but my biggest problem with it, and the reason I ranked it so low, is because it's not even in Atlanta. I mean, it's it's in the state of Georgia. Yes, I'll give you that. But it is in the <laughs> suburbs, so far out, so inaccessible to mass transit. I actually we we liked Turner Field. Turner Field was. Fine, and they really they had room to improve on what they had there. They didn't like the neighborhood. They didn't like the neighborhood. At least it was in the city of Atlanta, and it was accessible by mass transit. Um, now, if you don't live in the sub, you, one you've got to take a car there. I hate that with ballparks. You have to take a car there. So we actually parked our RV at the I think it's the Cumberland Mall, which is like a mile yep. away. Mm-hmm. We parked the RV. We got permission from like the security guards there to park to leave the RV there during yeah. the game because our our dog was 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 in the car. Right. Or, or excuse me, it was in the RV, and then we Ubered to the stadium. <laughs> that is that is perfect. Um, <laughs> it was actually. like a mile away. Yeah, no, and, and and I understand that there are certifiable dumps in Major League Baseball. Oakland is a certifiable dump. Tampa Bay is on the border of being a certifiable. At dump. At least those places have a certain charm to them. But they did, like, yes. So that's why I put Atlanta behind them, even knowing it was brand new, and even knowing that there are really apps, they, a football stadium the, hosing baseball. Like the one thing that. that probably impressed me the most about SunTrust Park, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I did like. I like the little Braves history out in the hallway. The the Monument Garden thing, which yes. felt a lot like Camden Yards, mm-hmm. uh, that that was cool. But the thing that probably impressed me the most about SunTrust Park is 
the number of bathrooms. Huh. I never had huh. to wait in line at all to use a restroom at SunTrust Park. I can't say I did either, and I didn't even notice and that. Yeah. So that's probably the thing that really stood out to me a lot about SunTrust Park, and maybe because I was drinking a lot of water and beer, maybe, <laughs> you know, and I just had to pee a lot. Maybe, maybe, maybe well, that's why I was, was really impressed. Probably with it. hot as hell while uh, while you were there. Yeah, it actually wasn't. It was in April, so it wasn't oh, bad. Okay, yeah, yeah. no, I, and I, I was very, I was actually terrified at certain points when I was standing like up in the top levels of it. It's so. We're in it's the not bleachers. big. It's not big from the from the seating bowl perspective like there's not a lot of seats in it it's actually one of the lower you know capacities <laughs> stadiums in major league baseball but the sheer height of it at times i was like holy cow they could just look straight down here like it just was terrifying to me and i and i don't <laughs> mind heights like i've jumped out of a plane it's not a big deal to me but like it's like this is a stadium there should be barriers or something here keeping people from looking over the edge like this see we sat in the bleachers so it, it's kind of funny how we have different perspectives yeah, interesting uh, our least favorite baseball stadium was city field City Field is is it's in my hometown, and I've taken a lot of grief for putting it as low as I did. I have it like twenty five, so I don't like it either. I, I just think there's too many bad seats in that place. And it's a it's a, another bland mm-hmm. stadium. Uh, how how do you put a baseball stadium in the middle of nowhere? In in as much as something can be in the middle of nowhere in New York, mm-hmm. you know, it's in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by parking lots, and you don't allow tailgating. Yeah, I mean, there, you, it's it's you, very there, messy. There's no atmosphere to that stadium. Sure, that no. You, and Mets fans are cool. Love Mets fans because they're really passionate. But their stadium is, oh, God. It's, it's I, not I, I, good. I hated it. And the plane's going overhead every uh-huh. couple minutes. I, I was annoyed by almost everything but at City Field. <laughs> and it didn't help that my phone, because we did, we did like Ellis Island and the Statue of Liberty and the Met. Mm-hmm before we got to the game. So my phone mm-hmm. is like at 5%. Right. Based on experiences at other stadiums, it's just like, oh, we'll just charge it when we get there. Right. There's one charging stand any- in the oh. entire stadium, and it's in the, 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 the F and vodka bar section, which is you need like a special oh, ticket to even get no into. That's good. I know, right? How do you know? How is this not accessible? These days, you've got to have a, a charging stations yeah. around the around the parks. Man, we, yeah. we were just at, at Citizens Bank Park here in Philly, mm-hmm. and I asked an usher, hey, where's the nearest charging station? And he opened up like a, a little pamphlet. He's like, and he's like, Oh, there's ones in section 125 and 113. I was like, thank you very Perfect. much. Thank you. That's exactly at, how it should at, be. At City Field, I probably had to ask five ushers before I got an answer. Because, <laughs> like, nobody knew. Yeah, that's very New York. Um, <laughs> it, it really is. And and, and City Field has, has a lot of issues as far as I'm concerned. I, I hate the signage around the the, uh, the outfield. Uh, there's too many signs around the scoreboard. You can't tell where any – you're looking for, like, the lineup, and you're seeing signs for some, you know, local attorney. It's like, wait, th- th- am I in a minor league park? And I mean that in a bad way this time. Like, <laughs> it's, it's just – there's too much going on out there, and there's too many bad seats where you get blocked from seeing the scoreboard or you get blocked from seeing a, per- a portion of the field. And that's those are big knocks for me. I also hate seats that are in uh, the outfield um, between the foul poles that are more than at least one level up. And City Field has a ton of those that are three levels up. Those are too far from home plate to be legitimate seats. Do not put so many seats up in that area. Right. Those are not good for your fans. Those are just you're just trying to cash grab there, and I, I despise that. Sounds like you're doing dishes here at McNally's, and uh, again, if you're in Philadelphia, come to McNally's. And, the sandwiches here are great. I mean, we might be doing dishes uh, soon I mean, if we. We're if we not keep even this being paid for this for our, <laughs> our endorsements. All right. So, what's your favorite non-sports story that you included in the book? Hmm. My favorite non-sports story that you included in the book. While I'm on this trip, I try to do things that appeal to sort of my Americana sense. So I take some uh, side trips to visit places that 
either mean something to me or would mean something to a, a, a broad stroke of my readership. So I go see like the Golden Girls house. I go see the Brady Bunch Where's house. Where's the Golden Girls house? It's in LA, believe oh, okay. it or not. And so is uh, the Brady Bunch house. Uh, I go see MacArthur Park and I, and I wax nostalgic about that crazy song from the 1960s. Um, <laughs> so I have these moments that I try to intersperse where I, you know, broaden my horizons and try not to just focus on sport, 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 but make it a little bit more about a travelogue that anyone can enjoy. Um, everyone knows that the Brady Bunch house kind of looks like just you can bring it up in your mind's eye. So I went there and, and you know, snap some pictures and I write about the experience of going Beverly Hills 90210, the high school that they set it at. Like I take these little side adventures to sort of, you know, make it a little bit more approachable for someone who's not a, a hardcore sports fan. We were really disappointed when we went to Detroit and uh, we went to, to uh, Gross Point High School. Mm-hmm. And then we found out that the like none of that movie was uh. filmed in Michigan. <laughs> Gross Point Blank. It was like all filmed in California. I guess that's but, not surprising, but, but it is disappointing. I know, right? But in Cleveland, even though the movie A Christmas Story takes place in Indiana, mm-hmm. uh, the C- Christmas Story house is in Cleveland. It so is. I have not gotten to go myself, so we but actually it's on my there, list. Uh, a few weeks ago, actually. We didn't do yep. it last year, but we did it this year. Last year, we did the Pro Football Hall of Fame and yep. the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a chapter in my book called Halls of Fame and Museums. Mm-hmm. And there's also a chapter in my book dedicated to the six national parks we visited. Oh, nice. And uh, so, yeah, kind of like the, the same kind of deal where... I, I, I tell people that my book is part baseball, part travel. Yep. But then it has this overall theme of foster care. But um, Sure. So it sounds like your book is part sports and part travel. It's definitely it's definitely sports, but it's also definitely a travelogue. And it's also sort of memoir. And I'm sure yours is kind of the same yeah. way, too. You know, you're looking no, back at your own your experiences. Yeah. But I think the cool thing about sports is when you read someone else's experiences, you think about your own immediately. And right. that's what I want people to do. I want them to read about the most crushing defeat I've ever had. And then instantly they're going to think of the most crushing defeat they've ever had. And I want them to have those moments of like, huh, let me think about times when it was just everything seemed dark and dismal and why am I a sports fan at all? And then <laughs> and then jump to like, yeah, but I also had this cool experience where my team won a championship. It's like, oh, yeah, that was awesome when my team won the championship. I see it all the time here in Philly. People are still buzzed about the Eagles winning two years ago. I mean, they're just never going to get over it. Like, it, it took them so long, and they were always the underdogs, but when they finally overcame it all, you know, they are going to eat that up until their graves, honestly, and, and that's cool. All that's thanks awesome. to the putting that little William Penn figurine on top yes! of the podcast tower, right? Uh, I love that. So, Curse of Billy Penn. So have you talked about that on, on the podcast? No, yet? no, yeah. So, so, so what he's referring to is, and I just learned this after I moved down here from New York, um, the, the, the Philadelphia teams, 1983 was their last championship. That was the 76ers. Um, they started putting up buildings, skyscrapers, that were taller than City Hall, and at the top of City Hall here in Philly is a Billy Penn statue. So... Once that barrier, which was which was honored for you know decades, was broken, the Philly team started losing. No one no one was getting a championship. Fast forward to I think it was right before the Phillies won in 08. There was some sports writer who was like you know no or not not, not it's not sports writer but some journalist I believe mm-hmm. who said like no building in Philadelphia will ever be taller than the tip of William Penn's hat. Yes. So they held true to that. Once they didn't and they broke it, Philly teams started never winning championships. Um, in 08, the Phillies won. But the year before that, they started building a skyscraper where they put a little figurine of William Penn up at the top of the building so that William Penn was still at the top of the Philadelphia skyline. And the next year, the uh, Phillies won. 
And then they went into another losing streak. And then right before they built the last Comcast Center, which is now the tallest building in Philly, they also added the little figurine at the top of that building. And the Eagles won that yeah. same year. So, so very, my, very cool. My worst sports moment as a fan is connected to the Eagles. And it was the 4th and 26 game against the Packers. I would imagine that would oh be. Oh, my yeah. God. Brutal. Brutal, brutal, brutal. Yeah, that's a tough beat. So, um, what is something that you really wanted to include in the book, but you just couldn't find a spot for it? Hmm. That's a that's a good, you know you know what I would have I would say to that I I really would have loved to have gone through um, a lot of the experiences I had in the twenty years prior to my to my last hurrah there where I went and got forty teams I was so focused on that trip and the experience of that the tale behind it that you know I didn't get to talk about a lot of the other places I've been along the way. Um, you know, we, before we went on recording here, we were talking about when I went to the Rams game. And like, so I have all these experiences. When I saw the Bears, uh, it was the Jets and I was living in Chicago and that was kind of cool. So just the little, you know, amusing stories that I've had over 20 years. I don't get to go into a lot of detail about those. Um, and I wish I could have gone into more, but you, you've, you know, as you know, as a writer and an editor, like you've got to pick your spots, you've got to pick your stories. Yeah, you're your first editor. you got to edit down. <laughs> and it is really hard. And this thing started out at like 90 something thousand words. Wow. And my publisher's like 70,000. And I'm like, mm, 85. And they're like, mm, 72. <laughs> and we started, we, we played this game for a while. And they gave me more than, than they were very kind to me. I think mine is 140,000 words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, you could go on forever and you could, you could just write it all. Um, but, you know, it, it, there's, it's a business and they want to, you know, print a certain size and, and, you know, they're looking to make money. But um, it, there are certain things that you're always going to regret leaving out. And I just talked to someone this morning about this stupid little thing that I left out of the. I'm like, oh, I should have put that in the book. And like, you're always going to do that to yeah, yourself, I, no matter I, once, I once it's on the printed page. I have those conversations with my wife, too. So one thing that I think you have in the book, maybe, mm -hmm. um, did you actually go to Black Friday at Mall of America? I like, did. Why? It was I mean, well. I mean, you already called yourself a crazy person earlier, but and here's the thing: I didn't. I, you, you can believe this or not. I didn't realize it, um, because again, when you're on a trip like this, you don't even know what city you're in. Sometimes you're just like, ah, uh, today I'm in Minneapolis. I got to go see a wild game. What am I going to do in the two hours I have? Oh, I go to the Mall of America. It's right down the road. My hotel's right over here. Great, good idea. Get there, walk in, realize, holy crap. It's Black Friday, and I'm in the Mall of America. This is the stupidest thing I've ever done. Um, and it was, you know, it was it was great. It was funny. It was fine. Um, I it was amusing to me that I didn't realize where I was and what I was doing. Um, you know, I was coming off the high of seeing the Lions on Thanksgiving finally, which I had always wanted to do. Nice. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just funny moments like that. You know, when you're running across the country, going twenty five thousand miles in two months. It's hard to keep track of, of all the nuances, and, and sometimes it's just a blur. And 25,000 miles in two months? Yep. And I thought we were nuts for doing 15,000 by car in seven months. Yeah, no, you were nuts. Don't <laughs> don't make any mistake about that. To most people listening to this, they're like, Are, you're both insane. You're just different levels of it. Um, but that's, you know, this is the life you choose when you do stuff like right? this. And, um, you know, I can only hope to inspire people to do something a little bit more sensible. Um, chase down their dreams. Go see the thing they've always wanted to see. Um, you know, have, have, have a blast doing it. Um, but figure out what it is you want to do as a fan and be as a fan um, and chase that thing down. That's what I want people to come away from um, one lucky fan having read and having done. You touch on both of us being off our rockers a little bit with this, with, with our respective journeys. 
But the funny thing is, like, none of the people who we told about our trip, our fam- friends, family, before mm-hmm. we did it, none of them had, like, the, a, a negative take. Did you have the same experience? Yeah, I mean, I think people knew I was always destined to do something nuts like this. and they The were reaction has almost universally been, oh, my God, that's so cool. Oh, everyone I talk to about One Lucky Fan says, oh, my God, you really did that. That is so cool. That is so amazing. Um, and that's why I'm trying to get it in front of as many people as I can because right? I think people relate to it. Oh, yeah. Same as your tale. Like People love stuff like this. They want to live vicariously through your journeys because they're not going to be able to take them in the same crazy, nutty way that you did. Um, but they certainly make for an amusing story. And you know, you want people to be able to have that experience and then, you know, again, think about their own and, and do whatever it is they can do uh, you know, within the constraints of their life. But yeah, every time I talk to someone, they're like, First question, what's your favorite place? <laughs> and like second question, how the hell did you do that? Like, what, right. what, are you crazy? Are what? you retired? Are you wealthy? Right. And and, and, and no to both of those. Right. But, you know, this has been my dream and I, I had the opportunity. The lucky in the title's no accident. And I just pursued it. And, and I came out with the book I always wanted to have. And, and I'm very proud of it. And I'm very happy with it. So what's the next trip? Like every stadium for professional oh. soccer teams in Europe? Well, yeah, I, I do make that joke in the book. I, I, I do. I every don't, college football stadium? I don't go to the MLS uh, stadiums, and I've gotten crap for that, too, from a lot of my soccer fan friends. saying, that, oh, you didn't get all the pro you know, teams. You don't have soccer. I'm like, yeah, I know. Well, you but didn't do I, arena league either. I've got to have limits. Like, I've got to pick the big four and um you know the ones that have had the most influence on my life certainly um but yeah i would love to go see all the mls teams i would love to go sweep the premier league in in england i'd love to go to a world cup match at some point in my life um so there's always going to be games i'm going to want to be going to um the bucket list items never end no they never end this is this is a never-ending tale um as i say in the book they're never going to stop building new parks and arenas for us to go to um just you know so are you going to go to vegas when the raiders move of course okay um but like we'll see you there that would be great you know the season just ended in the nba and already there's a there's a venue on my list that i'm losing in oracle yeah Yeah. so now they're moving to the chase center in san francisco so of course i'm like when am i gonna get to san francisco and my (laughs) wife is saying Honey, <laughs> don't you think you've had enough for a little while? And I say, yes, yes, I have. I'll get there when I get there. And she says, that's that's the correct answer. So I don't need to always run out and get them, but right. it's always in your blood now to to want to get the new so, and to see the things you haven't seen. Well, and then you say, but honey, so if we go in like October of 2020, we can see the Warriors in San Francisco, and then on the way home, we can stop in Las Vegas and see the Raiders in their new stadium. Exactly. And, but you got to sweeten it up. And it's, you know, we can go to Harvest in Napa. Boom, now you've got a trip. <laughs> now you're getting somewhere. All right, Rich, thanks so much for coming on the Home Run Wheels podcast. This is a lot of fun. Yes, Ron, thank you so much. Yep. It was a lot of fun. And when we come to you next week, we'll be in Maryland. And in two weeks, I'll be doing a book signing at Busboys and Poets in Arlington, Virginia on August 13th. That event is being co-hosted by Lutheran Social Services National Capital Area. Also working on another book signing August 17th, somewhere in the D.C. area. Hoping to, to lock in the details on that one. Both of these events are being hosted by foster care organizations that received tickets from the Washington Nationals. All of that information is on the Home Run on Wheels Facebook page. And uh, Rich, um, any advice for a book signing before I let you go? No. <laughs> Here, well, uh, advice? No. Um, 
thoughts and prayers yes um i really hope that you know you uh get to meet a lot of people who appreciate your um mission and i just want to be able to say before i get off the air here that i really do applaud you for what you're doing Thank you. i think it's so much bigger than sports and so much bigger than travel and, and and we're having a good time here talking about our experiences but but what you're doing is really the heart of your book and i you know as someone who just ran around the country you know for my own means um i really take to heart that there are people out there doing really great stuff um and your mission of the foster care kids is is so inspiring and i i really want to thank you for that um but yeah uh, uh, signings are great and signings are terrible at the same time so i i hope yours turn out well um you know i've had some great experiences and i've had some where you look around and you're like is anybody gonna show up tonight um <laughs> that but, was our experience in pittsburgh last week yeah and those stink but but you, you get out there again anyway and you know you again you're doing the same thing i'm doing you're trying to get your story in front of as many eyeballs uh and and, and in front of many ears uh, as you can so that people hear it and say oh yeah that is a really cool mission that is a really cool story I want to support that and um, you know I'm, I'm grateful to have the opportunity to do that for me here on your show and, and I'm glad you're having the opportunity to do that uh, in, in bookstores and venues uh, across the country thank you so much and um, it's uh, Rich O'Malley and you're obviously Irish with the last name O'Malley Yum. and we're at McNally's yep. in Philadelphia thanks to Oma- uh, McNally's for hosting us it's funny when you emailed me earlier to kind of give me an ETA on, on when you were arriving I, my iPod is always on shuffle and as soon as I read your email when I was driving over here uh, my iPod switched to Swagger by Flogging Molly, and I just thought that was, like, so appropriate. I'm going to meet an Irish dude, and you know, here's an Irish band. Right. So uh, the outro song here right, is uh, Swagger by Flogging Molly. So, Rich, thanks so much for coming on the Home Run Wheels podcast, and thanks to everyone listening to the Home Run Wheels podcast. Have a great week.